focusing on the New Testament this year. And so there, there, there's a, a out at 411, and I think on some tables they've got set out there. It's a reading schedule of the New Testament for this year. And then even more importantly, there is a, a little card that we had laminated. If you picked one of these up last week, we've got some more, but we laminated them, had them ordered where they're shiny, glossy, and it, they'll last a little bit longer. So if you want to pick one of these up, you're more than welcome to get the new ones. They're out there. They should be on the tables in 4112. But it's the spectacles. When you read your Bible, you need to put on your... Oh, come on. You need to put on your... Now, what is spectacles? S-P-E-C-T-A-C-L-E-S. Sins to confess, promises to claim, examples to follow, commands to obey, truths to rejoice in, a verse to memorize, challenges to face, lessons about God, errors to avoid, and supplications or prayers to utter. You say, preach, I just want to get more out of my Bible. That's how you do it. When you're reading your Bible, look for these things. And you can put it right in your Bible. So as you're reading it, is there something that God wants me to follow today? Is there a command God wants me to obey? Is there a sin God wants me to confess? Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. And this will help you get all the goody out of your Bible study. And all God's people said. How many of y'all could use a laugh this morning? <clears throat> okay, we're going to do it anyway. <clears throat> Uh, I've got I've got preacher friends of mine that will will text each other on Sundays and encourage each other because uh, I'm, I'm telling you we're a dying breed. They're quitting. They're they're committing suicide. They're doing all kind of things. So we try to keep each other up and encouraged and 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 you know just it's just what we do. And I've got I've got some that are very intellectual. Some really really uh, really spiritual. If you know what I mean. Just not not all that doesn't really cut up and this is one of them so when he did this I couldn't believe it so I just wanted to share with it today this was what I got on my message this morning So I'm going to just rear back and preach. Amen. Now, you know, you know, you've got a redneck preacher when he's got friends like that right there. Amen. All right. Second Timothy, second Timothy, chapter number two and verse number 14. And, uh, and, and he's from Virginia, not West Virginia. Amen. There is a difference, right? Peachy? Not a lot. <laughs> not a lot. All right. All right. Verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study. Say that word with me. Come on, everybody. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth the canker, of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your mercy. Lord, I pray that we can have all the distractions out of our mind right now. Help us to focus completely on your word, completely on what you're trying to teach us and show us this morning. God, I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to go back. I want to go back to Acts chapter number 20. Uh, and and this, is, this is what I want to do. I want to kind of set the table. Most of you know, if, you, if you're familiar with your Bible at all, you understand this is Paul. He is speaking to Timothy. Paul is in prison. Timothy's at Ephesus. He's pastoring at Ephesus, and he's having a hard time. He's really struggling. Uh, uh, it's just a, a younger younger man trying to pastor an older, established congregation, and, and he's having a difficult time. And Paul left him there. He left him there to establish sound doctrine. He was worried about false teachers. He was worried about them teaching things that were not the truth. So I want to go back. I want to just to kind of give you a little background. He is speaking here in Acts chapter number 20. Paul is speaking to the, the Ephesian elders of that church. And he, he's basically 
saying his last goodbyes to him because he knows he's headed to Jerusalem. When he gets to Jerusalem, they're going to arrest him. They're going to ship him off to Rome, and in Rome he's going to be executed. Okay, so, so he's kind of given the last goodbyes to the elders at Ephesus. Now, is everybody on the same page now? All right, Acts 20. This is what Paul tells the elders of the church that he left Timothy in, okay? For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. To, everybody say it, to feed, to feed. Now, what does he mean by feed? He means this. This is the bread of life. He means give them the word. You feed sheep with the pasture of God's word. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. He says feed the sheep. Now why, does he, why is he insisting on this? It says for I know, I know that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. What's he saying? He's saying there's going to be false teachers to come in and teach wrong things to try to get people to follow them. They're not going to spare the flock. They don't care about the health of the church. They just want followers. He's worried about false teachers. And he calls them wolves. He says there's no doubt about it. I have no, there's no question in my mind. When I leave, he said you need to feed the church of God. How do you defeat false doctrine? By feeding on the truth. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, that's, that's Paul giving his last words to, to the Ephesian elders. Now, let's look what he is speaking to Timothy himself. The pastor, he left there to establish things, okay? 1 Timothy 1. 1 Timothy 1, 3. As I besought thee, he's, tell, he's telling Timothy, I, I, I ask you to stay at Ephesus. I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other what? Doctrine. Doctrine is what is being taught. It's the lesson that's being taught, right? You have the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the atonement, the, the, the doctrine of the resurrection. It's whatever's being taught out of God's word about a certain subject. Does that make sense? He said, don't let them teach no other doctrine. Neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies which minister questions rather than godly edifying which is in faith, so do. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. What is he calling false doctrine? It's from the devil. Y'all with me? 1 Timothy 4.13 Till I come, now he's still speaking to Timothy. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to what? Doctrine. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Second Timothy 4, 1. Watch this. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead, at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the, word. preach the, I'm going to need everybody, preach the word. word. Be instant in season and out of season. I used to think, I used to think that that meant uh, 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 be always ready, no matter what, not at the drop of a hat, be ready to preach. That's not what that means. In season is when it's easy to preach. Out of season is when it's not. There are days when you're preaching something that everybody wants to hear. You're preaching something that excites everybody. You're preaching something that touches everybody. Everybody's shouting. Everybody's amening. Everybody's with you. Everybody's just rooting you on. But then there's some days when they'll stand and look at you. They're not happy about what you're saying. They don't want to hear what you got to say. It's crossing them the wrong way. And they're not amening. They're giving you the stink eye. But preach anyway. Paul is telling Timothy, preach anyway. Preach it when they like it, preach it when they don't. Preach it when they're with you, preach it when they're not. Preach it, be instant in season and out of season. But what? Preach the word. Don't preach your opinion, don't preach your theories, don't preach what you think. Take God's word, dissect it, share it, give it, 
preach the word. Are y'all with me? Look what it says. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound, but after their own lusts, their own desires, their own wishes, their own wants, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. We are living in that generation. We're living in a day when we don't want to be told what's right. We don't want to be told what's holy. We want to be, have y'all ever noticed we all want to feel good? I said we all, I'm including me in that. We all want to feel good. If we feel the least little bit uncomfortable, we go to the doctor and get a pill for it. Come on, don't act all self-righteous with me. I got a knee right now that's killing me. They're, they're trying to run me to death. I'm trying to get into that runner's thing. They say, after you run a little bit, you get a runner's high. I ain't found it yet. <clears throat> My knee's killing me. I don't like hurting. I'm a big sissy, man. I'm telling you, I don't like pain whatsoever. If you got a pill to make me feel better, bring it on, baby. Amen. But we want that in the church today. We, don't, we want to feel good about ourselves. We want to feel better about our life. And we want to go to a church that's going to make us feel good. I know what I'm saying. And the problem with that is, is you're not always right. We're human. Sometimes we get sideways. Sometimes we get out of balance. Sometimes we're not where we're supposed to be. And if you've got a preacher that is preaching the word, the word will get in your face. And we need that. But if you don't have, here's what's happening today. There's churches all over America today that here's what's, and this is where I'm going with this. They are going to God's word and they're nitpicking verses. They're taking little bit of verses out of here and out of there and they're using them because they're inspirational. But they're taking them out of context and that's like giving somebody with cancer an aspirin. And they say, hey, here's this verse. And it'll make you feel good about yourself. It'll make you feel good about your situation. Even if your situation is totally against God's word. Amen. And that's a problem. That is a huge, huge problem today. And it was a problem in Paul's time and he was scared to death. He said, Timothy, I know when I leave there's going to be false teachers come. There's going to be people that come and they take the word. And and I'm going to get to that. And he says, listen, teach the word, preach the word, feed the sheep. Feed the sheep. Now look what it says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 14. If you're taking notes, write this down. There's a problem. Number one, I want you to see the problem. Verse 14, it says this, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before... Now, now you, you heard everything we read up until this point. Okay? All the, all the concern about false doctrine, all the concern about sound doctrine, preach the word. Now, is everybody with me on that? All up until this point, he says this, That they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Watch what it says in 16. But shun profane and vain babblings. For they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth the canker. It says, verse 18, who concerning the, everybody say it, who concerning the have erred. 18 defines what those words he was talking about. In other words, you have false teachers coming in and taking a truth, taking a truth. Now see, that's the key. That's what you got to get. They're taking a truth and erred with it. So what is the problem? Write these three things down. First, there is an incorrect use of the word. There is an incorrect use of the word. Are y'all with me? I've read where people talk about, boy, I got a word from God today. I just opened up my Bible and put my finger down and there was God spoke to me. Do you know how dangerous that is? Do you know how dangerous that is? That's not the way this works. You're taking something out of context. Listen, what if you open the Bible? What if you open the Bible? And, and you're, you're, this is your mode of operation. And you stick your finger down. And it says, and Judas hung himself. 
And then you went to another verse and it said, and go thou and do likewise. And then you go to another verse and it says, and what thou doest, do quickly. Now that's kind of humorous. But guess what? All of them were Bible verses. All of them were Bible verses. But they were not in the same place. And you can't put... And so, so what happens is we get people who will take a verse out of Scripture and take it out of context and try to apply it to their life and try to apply it to something. In other words, here's what happens. The teacher wants to say something, so they'll find some phrase or some word in the Bible to help them say what they want to say instead of going to the Bible and say what God said. They'll take a verse out of context. And it happens all the time. It happens all the time. And it's very, very dangerous. I'm I'm, going to give you a couple examples. And these are mild, 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 mild examples. Probably probably the least dangerous, but they're still dangerous. Anytime you take the Word of God out of context, it's dangerous. But but here's one that people use all the time. is is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Do you realize that has zero, absolutely nothing to do with kicking a field goal? Do you know that has absolutely nothing to do with hitting a home run or being a good sports player? Do you understand that? It has nothing to do with that. If you keep it in context and read it in context, Paul had just got through explaining how to be content in life. And being in content, he said, I've had it all and I've had nothing. I have, I have abounded and I have suffered lack. I have been hungry and I have been full. In other words, I have suffered for Jesus. But let me tell you this. I can do all things. I can suffer for God. I can do without. I can be lacking in my life. I can do it with the power of Christ. That verse has to do with suffering for Christ. Having the ability to suffer for Christ. But you know what we do? We will pluck it out and fit it to what we want to feel. And I've done it. I'm guilty. That's why I'm saying this. That's why I'm so frustrated. Because we want to feel, so we'll, we'll put that there. There's a UFC fighter who's got it tattooed on his chest. And let me tell you something. He is not a good representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatsoever. It don't have anything to do with winning. How many of y'all know? How many of y'all know they're going to be praying on both sides of the ball today? How many of y'all know there's going to be Rams people praying? And there's going to be people from that other team praying. (laughs) I'm sorry. So what, is God going to flip a coin? You see how silly this is? How about this one? How about this one? And this is, like I said, these are mild forms. And so don't get mad at me because you got a T-shirt that's got a softball player on it that says I can do all things. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just trying to show you that's not what that means. Okay? This is, this is probably the most famous one, especially on the National Day of Prayer. How many of y'all have heard this? If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, humble themselves, I will hear from heaven, I will heal their land. He said, mine eyes shall behold the prayer that's made in this place. How many of y'all have heard that? Yeah. Preach, don't I have? I've got several outlines out of that. Preach, this is America. Of Mer-. That's not who he's talking to. If you'll read the chapters before and the chapters after, you'll find this, that this is a response to the prayer of Solomon. Solomon is dedicating the temple, and Solomon has asked God a question. He's asked God a question. He said, now, Lord, if we get sideways on you and we get crazy on you and you have to punish us and you have to get our attention, if you send the pestilence, if we'll pray, if we'll get right, will you please forgive us and heal this stuff? And this verse is the answer from God to Solomon. It is an answer to him. And he said, I will have my eyes on this place. What place? The temple in Jerusalem. Now, will God answer prayer? Absolutely. But when we take verses like this and hold on to it and says, this is America. God said he will heal our land. God never said that. You see where I'm going with this? And and let me tell you something. I know you're thinking, well, you're just being too nitpicky. I told y'all before I said it, these are really mild, mild examples. 
but they go way worse. And I'll show you. Do you realize there are whole false denominations created and movements created by taking one verse out of context? That's how dangerous this is. All right, so here's what happens. There's a misuse. And by the way, by the way, the devil's the master at this. He's the master at taking a Bible verse and using it out of context. He tried that with Jesus. When he was tempting the the Lord in the wilderness, he said, listen, doesn't the word say, doesn't the word say that the angels, in in other words, jump off here, doesn't the angels say they won't let you dash your foot against a stone? It is written. What was he using? He was using a real true Bible verse, but he took it out of context. That's why Jesus said, it is also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Am, Am I making sense, guys? Listen, what happens? Why is this so dangerous? Because the second thing takes place. When someone takes the word and uses it in a wrong way. How many of y'all know you can use good medicine in a wrong way and it kill you? It could be good medicine, but you apply it the wrong way and it kill you. The Bible's the same way. The Bible's good, but you can use it in a wrong way. So here we have a teacher that, that Paul is worried about. Teaching, they'll take the scripture, a real scripture, and they'll twist it and say it means this. All right? So we have the the word of God used in a wrong way. What happens next? B, write this down. False doctrine is created. Say that with me. False doctrine is created. Say it again. All right, look what it says. Verse 18. What doctrine were they teaching that they messed up? The resurrection. They were teaching something about the resurrection that they got messed up. Look what he says. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. So now you have somebody who's taken the word and twisted it and taken it out of context. And so now we have a, a doctrine created. But it's false. Let me give you an example. There, there are people around that, that, that harp and, and, and just all they ever talk about is the love of God. God is love. Y'all with me? Stay with me. Pay, pay attention. Stay with me. God is love. They don't talk about anything else but God is love. So what they're saying by that, it doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you are, doesn't matter what you want to be, it doesn't matter what you do. God is love. He's accepting. It, uh, he, and, and so we had, and I, matter of fact, I took a picture of a sign that talked about all the things that was allowed and accepted in this church on the basis that God is love. It don't matter what you do. God is love. Now here's the problem with that. They forgot that there's a whole rest of the Bible. God is love. Thank the Lord that he's love. But do you realize the Bible says that God hates too? And that God is holy too. And God is righteous too. Say amen. amen. So now we got a movement. Now we have a doctrine created. And here's the most, most sad part about the deal. Someone will take a word or a verse out of the Bible and twist it and use it in a wrong way. A doctrine is established, a teaching, a belief system. And now you have people in the pew who have created a belief. That's wrong. Why? Why? Because they don't know their Bible. I have seen tons of sincere people that will send send me clips of a video of a preacher or or a a clip of a, a meme or whatever that sounds really spiritual, but it's really wrong. And they don't know their Bible good enough to be able to discern the difference. That's why Paul is saying, wolves are coming. Listen, let me, let me tell you, in the age we're living in, there's wolves on the internet. There's wolves on Facebook. And they're taking what's good and right and they're twisting it. To get you to believe what's not true. 
And you know what happens? If we don't know the word, if we... Let me give you this example. Let me give you this example. I know of a church right now. I know of a church right now that had a pastor for about 40 years. And this pastor was the deal. Straight up, straight laced. I mean, dotted every I, crossed every T. Just a spiritual, I mean, had more character than anybody I know. I'm telling you, he did not, he did not put up with any foolishness whatsoever, any kind of shadiness whatsoever. I mean, he and, and, and he preached the word and did these things. But the people got so dependent on what he said and would trust what he said just because he said it. Now I'm I'm for having somebody that you can trust. If you have somebody you can't, you need to get someone that can. But this is the danger. He never taught them to find out for themselves. In other words, he just told them what to believe. Now, everything he said was correct. He was biblically sound. He was biblically straight, but guess what? He had to retire. So he left, and someone else came in that didn't have any character, that wasn't solid with the scriptures like he was. And so he stands in the pulpit. Now, guess what? Now they blindly followed him like, watch this, like they could with the other one. But now this guy, he ain't got enough character to fill up a thimble. Now the church is in financial disaster. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I need you to know how to know what you know. I don't want to just stand and tell you what to know. I want to be able to teach you how to go to the Bible and know something. And this is why I grew up my whole, and by the way, by the way, many false teachers don't realize they are because many false teachers are just repeating what they heard. And so when I was growing up, I was taught a lot of things. I was taught a lot of things. And when I got my Bible and started studying for myself and learning the Bible, I found out everything they said wasn't true. But they didn't know any better because they were just repeating what they were told. Now, that's dangerous. Preacher, you got us scared to death. Good. I want you to learn to go to your Bible and see if these things be so. Study. Study. And all God's people say it. Because this is a problem. When a man will twist the scripture, use it out of context, and not just a man, it could be a Bible teacher, it could be a Sunday school teacher, it could be a small group leader that you don't that doesn't realize they're twisting scripture. You need to know. Because when you use the word of God wrong, their uh, false doctrine is created. Whole movements have been created. And now we got a bunch of blind people who don't know their Bible and they're believing in something that's false. Can y'all see where this is a problem? Number two, here's the danger in that. Here's the danger in that. Number two, the danger. Look what he says. Look what he says in verse 14. Verse 14. That they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting. That word comes from our English word where we get the word catastrophe. In other words, it is a catastrophe with people. When when they're arguing and and they're debating over things that are not scriptural, there's a catastrophe to take place. Then verse verse number 16. But shun profane and vain babblings. For that, now here's, here's the point right here. For they will increase unto more, what? 
So what happens? There's a promotion of sin. What's the danger of taking the word of God out of context? There's a promotion of sin. Sin will increase. If you are not saying what God is saying. And by the way, when you take a verse out of context, you're saying what you want to say and not what God wants to say. And that promotes sin. That promotes sin. I want to read you just a, 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 just a little snippet from uh, John MacArthur's commentary. <clears throat> he said the barrage of ungodly ideas and verbiage that today is assaulting society in general and even the church is frightening. More frightening than the false ideas themselves, however, is the indifference to them and often acceptance of them. In other words, these false, these false uh, truths or false teaching by those who name the name of Christ and claim to be born again. They're being accepted. Things like abortion, theistic evolution, homosexuality, no-fault divorce, feminism. I guess we can put toxic masculinity on that list now. Many other unbiblical concepts and attitudes have invaded the church at an alarming rate and to an alarming degree. One of the most popular and seductive false teachings is the promotion of high self-esteem as a Christian virtue, when in reality, it is the very foundation of sin. What does the Bible say over and over and over again? Humble thyself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt thee. Such destructive notions are inevitable when Christians listen to the world above the word and are more persuaded by men's wisdom than by God's. Now here's a here's sad part. As Christians become less and less familiar with Scripture, y'all get that? This is why we're honing in on this so much right now. When, when Christians become less and less familiar with Scripture and sound doctrine on a first-hand regular basis, they become easy prey for jargon that sounds Christian, but strongly mitigates against God's truth. In other words, when we don't know our Bible, we'll fall for anything that sounds spiritual. Are y'all with me? Now watch what he says. Christian cults abound today as never before, as does every type of false religion. Many Protestant denominations that once championed God's inerrant word and the saving gospel of Jesus Christ have turned to human philosophy and secular wisdom. In doing so, they've abandoned the central truths of biblical Christianity, including the Trinity, the deity of Christ, his substitutionary atonement, salvation by grace alone. In rejecting God's truth, they have come to condone, that's, that's, the, that's the point I'm making, condoning sin in the church, coming to condone and embrace countless evils. Universalism, hedonism, psychology, self-salvation, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, abortion, and a host of other sins. The effects of ungodly teaching have been devastating and damning, not only for the members of those churches, but for the countless number of the unsaved who have been confirmed in their ungodliness by false religion. In other words, going to church full of sin and the preacher telling you, have a good day. And not dealing with truth. We don't know our Bible. That means we don't know our God. And so we've created the God that we want. A God that is not concerned with our issues. A God who is not concerned with our sins. A God who will love us. A God who has grace on us and mercy. But not that holy one. Because I want to keep living the way I live. I don't want to repent. I don't want to get right. I'm more concerned about feeling good than being right. So, churches are being filled. And what do we do? We know that's the age we're living in. So we will cater to them. Now, y'all understand when I say we, I'm talking about the church in general. And we'll preach what they want to hear. We'll write books that they want to read. When's the last time you've seen a book promoted on New York Times, number one bestseller, says repent? You're not. I know. I know. I get it. Here's the next part. This is why it bothers me so bad. When we twist the word and take it out of context, it promotes sin. You say, how does it promote sin? 
How many of y'all know you can get the Bible to say whatever you want it to say? I saw the title of a book, and it was all about how the Lord is happy in promoting homosexuality. That's not the only one. I mean, that's the one that, that, that makes you get the willies, but it ain't no different than, than shacking up and okay with it. I mean, come here and sing and everything else and committing fornication every week. Ain't no difference. So don't get all sideways with people that are living a lifestyle that you're that makes you sick when your lifestyle is making God sick. And everybody else is unforgiving and holding grudges. You ain't no better. And you to get on the phone and gossip about everybody in town, you ain't no better. My, we just gonna make everybody mad today, ain't we? But see, we, we'll just take verses that make us feel good, right? It promote, do you see how this promotes sin? Not using the Bible and saying what the Bible says, it'll promote sin. But here, this is the worst part. Look what it says in the last verse we read. Verse 18. Who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection, in other words, they were teaching a false doctrine. They twisted the word. They twisted the truth about the resurrection. Now watch what it did. And overthrow the faith of some. Say that with me. And the danger is there's a promotion of sin, but there's also damage to our faith. Damage to our faith. Write that down and look at me. I've got a I've got a cousin right now <clears throat> that is struggling bad with cancer. Bad, bad. Her sister, her sister died of cancer several years ago. Her sister, the church she went to, is nowhere around here, so don't be trying to guess. It's in another state in Tennessee. It had a charismatic background. And there'd be many times that I'd go to see her in the hospital and go to see her at her house. Said, if you'll just believe, you'll be healed. You're healed. We're believing you're healed right now. I'm telling you right now before you go to the doctor, you're healed. And she would tell me, I'm healed. I'm healed. Because the Bible says by his stripes we are healed. If we'll just believe, it'll be And she died. Now it didn't damage my faith because I knew better. But I've got cousins and family members that was around all of that and heard all of that. Unbelieving friends who heard that you said, the Bible said she was going to be healed. And she died. So then that must mean the Bible is not not true. It damaged greatly their faith. And it wasn't because of the Bible. It wasn't because the, the word is not true. It was because they took it out of context. Because if they would have known, they didn't know, but if they would have known that you got to compare that verse with other verses... And when you know what the Bible says in other verses, it says, according to thy will. But because somebody took one verse, out, and, and don't do this. Somebody, somebody was listening to the first service and, and posted on Facebook, oh, she is healed. They were right. She is healed. She's in heaven. That's not what they were talking about. Don't try to turn that around. They were talking about she would be healed on this earth. But that is not what the Bible says. Now, does God still heal? Don't leave this church. Don't leave this service and say, preacher says God don't heal. I do believe God heals. But I do believe this. There's a lot of people that prayed for healing and didn't get it. And they did believe. And they did have faith. That's not what that verse is saying. But somebody took one single verse out of context. And it damaged the faith of many.
Now do you see how dangerous it is to take the word of God and misuse it? This is so important, guys. How do we keep that from happening? I'm glad you asked. Number three. Number three. Write this down. I want you to see the answer. The answer. We saw the problem and we saw the danger. And now look at the answer. Look what he says. Look what Paul told Timothy to do about it. Now how many of y'all would agree with me right now? Paul was concerned about false doctrine. Paul was concerned about false teaching. Come on. All right. Watch what he said to do about it. Verse 15. What's the first word? Man, y'all like that word, don't you? Come on, everybody. Come on. Come on. Nobody likes that word. I looked, I looked it up. I looked it up. In the Greek word, Miss Parsha, the Greek word, this is what it says. Make an effort. Come on, guys. I just busted some Greek out on y'all. Make an effort. Don't just, don't just get what you get in here. Open your Bible at home. Get your dictionary out. Get a commentary. Show up to every Bible study you can. Are y'all with me? Ask the Holy Spirit to be your teacher and be your helper. Make an effort. Study. This does not work by osmosis. Remember? Y'all remember what my, my marine biology teacher told me when I was sleeping in class every day? Had my forehead on the book. He said, Mr. Carter, this does not work by osmosis. It's not going to soak into your head. And just because you're carrying it around, it's not going to. You actually got to read it and study it. Look a word up. Turn here, turn there. We need this, guys. Now, how do we study? He tells us right at the end of that verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman needeth not be ashamed. I mean, you don't have to be ashamed. Ain't no need for that. A workman needeth not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. I looked that up too. You know what that means? It means to cut it straight. To cut it straight. Now, y'all do remember Paul's a tent maker. So he's using examples from his trade. And what they would do, they would cut the materials. They would cut the, 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 the canvas, I guess, that they would use to make the, make the tents. And they'd have to cut it so that when they sewed it back together, it would... Come on, people. Don't I have any sewers in here? you got to cut it straight so when you put it back together, it will... Now, what does this have to do with the Bible? Do you know how many times people will take a verse out of context and when they try to put it back together with other verses, it just don't fit. Y'all with me? Now, I don't know how many pieces of fabric goes into a tent, but it would be like, it would be like having a tent with one piece of fabric with nothing else sewed to it. You know what would happen in the rain? You'd get wet. There would be holes in your tent. And when you just take one verse to prove your belief, and you don't add other verses to support and balance what you're saying it means, you're going to have holes in your tent. Rightly divide. Because every, here's, a, here's a, I know this is going to blow some of your minds. But do y'all know that every verse in the Bible is not speaking to you? I've heard somebody say, every promise in the Bible is mine. Uh Uh-uh. Not unless you're Jewish. Because some things God was speaking to the nation of Israel. And some things God was speaking to the nation of Israel in that day. Not to you. Well, I tell you what, the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. I know that He is. But he don't act the same. He don't do everything the same at all times with all people. Yes, yes. Then why ain't we sacrificing billy goats? 
How many of y'all know that the nation of Israel sacrificed lambs on an altar? You seen one of them lately? Absolutely not. Why? Things are different now. God is operating in a different way. God does not operate the same way with everybody at this, all the time. I know that's blowing some of your minds because you've heard different. That's, that's the deal. So what do we do? Let me, give you, let me give you six quick things to write down, and then we'll pray. I'm not going to preach them. I'm just going to give them to you. These are hints. When you're studying your Bible and interpreting Scripture, know this. Number one, remember that context rules. Remember that context rules. What does that mean? The word context means that which goes with the text. In other words, you got to read before it and you got to read after it. And sometimes you got to read the whole chapter to get the, get the understanding of the verse. And sometimes you got to read the whole book to get the understanding of the verse. If you lay the solid foundation of observation, you will be prepared to consider each verse in light of the surrounding verses. The book in which it is found, the entire word of God. As you study, ask yourself, is my interpretation of this passage of Scripture consistent with the theme, purpose, and structure of the book in which it is found? Is it consistent with other Scripture about the same subject? I am considering this the historic, am I considering the historic and cultural context? Never take a Scripture out of context to make it say what you want it to say. Never take a Scripture out of context to make it say what you want it to say. Discover what the author is saying. Don't add to his meaning. Number two, always seek the full counsel of the word of God. What does that mean? What does the other verses of the Bible say about what you're trying to say? When you know God's word thoroughly, you will not accept a teaching simply because someone has used one or two isolated verses to support it. Those verses may have been taken out of context of other scriptures overlooked or ignored that would have led to a different understanding. As you read the Bible more extensively, you will be able to discern whether a teaching is biblical or not. Saturate yourself in the word of God. It is your safeguard against wrong doctrine. Number three, remember that scripture will never contradict itself. Scripture will never contradict scripture. The best interpretation of scripture is scripture. Remember, all Scripture is inspired by God. It is God-breathed. Therefore, Scripture will never contradict itself. Sometimes, however, you may find it difficult to reconcile two seemingly contradictory truths taught in Scripture, such as the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. Don't take a teaching to an extreme that God doesn't. Simply humble your heart in faith and believe what God says even if you can't fully understand or reconcile it at the moment. In other words, if you have a scripture that you don't completely understand, go somewhere else in the Bible that discusses or talks about that particular topic and put them together. Because the majority of the time, the Bible will explain itself. All right? Number four, don't base your convictions on an obscure passage of scripture. That's huge. An obscure passage is one in which the meaning is not easily understood. Because they are difficult to understand, they should not be used as a basis for establishing doctrine. What does that mean? Don't establish a belief in your life on a verse that you don't understand. All right? Verse five, or number five. Interpret Scripture literally. The Bible is not a book of mysticism. God spoke to us that we might know truth. Therefore, take away the Word of God at face value. In its natural, normal sense. Look first. Let me say that again. Look Come on, say it. Look, first, for the clear teaching of Scripture, not a hidden meaning. I see that all the time with people. They're reading just one simple verse. For instance, for God so loved the world. And they're trying to find a hidden meaning behind that. Let me tell you what that means. God loves the world. Everybody? Look at it literally. Now, sometimes there are hidden meanings and stuff. But the Holy Spirit will tell you, don't look for hidden meaning. Just look for what it's saying. Amen. Amen. Lastly, look for the single meaning of the passage. Always try to understand what the author had in mind when you interpret a portion of the Bible. Don't twist verses to support a meaning that is not clearly taught. Unless the author indicates that there is another meaning to what he says, let the passage speak for itself. Now, everybody look at me, and I'm done. I know you kind of got bored on me. Look at me. Everybody look at me. 
Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. How many of y'all, how many of y'all, by watching the news and what's happening, have sensed an uptick in evil? When I, I can read something, but when I heard the guy's voice and tone of voice talking about delivering a baby and setting it on the table and letting it die. I'm telling you, I can't even describe, I was chilled to the bone. And now other states, what's my point? It's getting worse. The Bible says, the mystery of iniquity doth already work, and he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. The word let, L-E-T, means to hold back. What does that mean? For, for the, the, the extended period of time since Jesus went back to heaven, the Holy Spirit has been restraining evil. He's been restraining evil. But the mystery of iniquity is this, that God is withdrawing that. Slowly but surely, God is withdrawing that restraining force. In other words, the wickedness is going to increase even more. If it is this bad right now, how many of y'all got kids? How many of y'all got grandchildren? What's it going to be when they're adults? What I'm teaching you right now, I know, look at me, look at me guys, I know, I know, I know. I've been to class. I've been to classes that wasn't all that interesting. But I'm teaching you how to use this. This is your sword. This is the only thing that you're going to have to be able to fight the battle. And this is not popular. And it's not fun. And it's not, but if you don't know how to use this sword, you're going to get your teeth kicked in by the devil. And I almost feel like the drill instructor during times of war. When he's saying, I know you don't like what I'm telling you. I know you don't like what I'm teaching you, but I'm trying to keep you alive. That's what this is all about. If you don't learn to use the word of God properly, there are so many wolves out there that's going to deceive you and destroy you. So please bear with me. And when you go to getting bored, pray for me. Say, help him, Lord. Because if we don't, the devil's not playing games. He's a roaring lion who roameth about seeking whom he may devour. And all God's people say, let's stand. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I